0: And um, so happy to see old faces and new people that I've never seen before. So uh, you'll get to hear um, a testimony of what God's done in my life. Um, you know what my dad was just talking about. Um, it's really easy to love people when you understand God's love for you. When you understand the depth of his mercy and grace and love that he's loved you with, then it's really easy to go and love humanity. But if you don't understand that, we're going to talk about that in a minute, it's hard to love other people. So you have to know God's amazing love for you. And we're going to talk about um, his rescuing power that he has available for you today. Whatever you're facing today, his love is more than enough to rescue you today. Amen. So um, I just wanted to start off by saying um, that, you know, growing up, I had a wonderful, you know, childhood. And uh, one thing that I always tried to do was to, um, you know, have my own relationship with God. Um, And I know sometimes some of you in here may be um, kids that, you know, grew up in church or an even adult, you grew up in church. And it's real easy if you do that to kind of put it off on your parents or other people, your spiritual walk. You can do that very easily. And and being a PK, that'd be real easy to do. You can just, well, my parents will take care of it and not really develop your walk with God, develop your spiritual life. But really my dad at at a young age said, you know, I'm not going to carry you forever, which I love that because now I do that with my kids, you know, as they're getting older. You need to do that and and encourage them to develop their walk with God, their faith life. Or when they get older and they face things, they're not going to be prepared for it. And so he always encouraged me to develop my faith in God and have my own relationship with God. And so that was something that was crucial as I've grown up and faced storms in life that I've been able to conquer and overcome. Because when I faced it, I had it wasn't that I had nothing on the inside of me. I had a backbone on the inside of me, a spiritual backbone, a foundation laid in my life that I could stand upon to face a storm and to get through it because I had developed that as a young child. And, um, I wanted to read you the scripture just starting out in second Timothy two 12. It's in the passion. Um, I loved this translation of this verse. I've always liked this, but this was amazing. It says, the confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. For I have, for I have an intimate revelation of this God. And my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all that I've placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearing. Isn't that amazing? We could just go home with that, couldn't we? The confidence that I have in what he's done in my life and the love he has for me lets me know that anything I'm facing in this life, the God in me is greater than what I'm facing, and I can overcome it. And we have to have confidence in his love for us today. If we don't know that love today, we, you can come to this altar today and find out the great love that God has for you. That's the first step to knowing that love that he has for you. And that faith convinces me other things can try to talk me out of it. The symptoms in your body today can try to talk you out of it. The bills laying on the, the desk at home today can try to talk you out of it. The children that are being disobedient today, the, the health situations, the marital um, fights that are going on, the, the relational problems, all the things that you face in this life can try to talk you out of this confidence right here that we're talking about. But you have to let your faith convince you that your God is more than able. Amen. Above all the, the other things that try to talk to you in this life, your faith has to speak louder. Yes. Amen. And so I, I began to sit at the computer the other day, and um, I've never done it like this, but I just began to type and, and to write out my testimony. I probably should have done it before now. Um, because I've given my testimony before. I don't want this to be boring, but I, wa- I didn't want to leave anything out. So I'm going to read this to you, um, and then I'm going to share some scriptures um, after I read this to you. Um, but this is, this is what happened um, several years ago. February of 2012, I had my third little boy, and our family was complete. Life was busy and tiring, but good. I had a five- and a two-year-old as well. And about six weeks after he was born, I started having trouble with my vision. And having a new baby, I didn't immediately do anything about it. The double vision persisted, so I finally went to the doctor who told me, I probably had a sinus infection and gave me antibiotics. I took those and was no better. I decided to go to an eye doctor because it had been going on for a while and life was becoming very difficult. The doctor recommended a CAT scan because they couldn't see anything in my eye. And I'll never forget this day. My parents dropped me off for the scan because I wasn't able to drive at this point. While my parents and I and my boys were at lunch, the doctor office called and said that I needed to get my husband and come to the office right then. They acted like it was due to blood work issues over the phone. I think they didn't want to scare me. Jacob and I waited in the room, not knowing what they were going to say. The doctor walked in and was pale and sweating, and obviously upset you know that's not usually a good sign if they're upset he began to tell us that I had a large tumor in my brain and that was causing my double vision if you want to um, I brought um, just a slide of that just so you can get a visual of what that actually looked like um, so you can kind of see they've drawn a yellow dot around that the actual it, they said it was comparable to the size of a baseball Um, It was very, very large. He began to tell us that I had a large tumor in my brain, and that was causing my double vision. As the words began to come out of his mouth, I physically felt the peace of God come down upon my head and rest upon my shoulders. The whole year before, God had prompted me to listen to a certain CD by Pastor Nancy Dufresne, where she described an experience she had had, where the peace of God came down over her head and rested upon her shoulders. Now I knew why God had set me up the year before and prepared me for this moment. So God had specifically directed me. So don't don't take that lightly when God brings you back to listen to a, a sermon over and over and over again, because God is God knows your beginning from your ending, and He was preparing me for this very moment because the same exact she described in the CD happened in my life exactly. The doctor said we had to go to a neurosurgeon in Louisville immediately. I can honestly tell you I was not afraid and upset. I was in a bubble of peace. Once at the neurosurgeons, he questioned me about a multitude of symptoms and told him I had only been having double vision. He was shocked. He said that I should have been having seizures and many other side effects. He said that he needed to do the surgery immediately. And as soon as he could do it was Monday, and this was a Friday. He went through a huge list of all the what-ifs, paralyzed on one side of my body, loss of speech, because it was sitting in the part of the brain where speech is located. He also said there's a main artery that runs through the middle of your brain, and the tumor is laying on it, so if he even nicked it, it, I would most likely not survive. And there's also risk of a coma, vegetative state, or not making it through the surgery. I can honestly tell you through this appointment, I was not afraid and upset. The peace of God was keeping me steady. There was a mentoring class the next morning at church, and our family decided to tell the guest ministers there so they could be praying and know what was going on. I don't know if they thought I was crazy because they all acted like they wanted to cry, and I remember I told them that I needed their prayers, not their pity. Prayers did something, but pity just feels sorry for someone. And honestly, looking back on that, I wasn't trying to be um, harsh with anyone or um, anything like that. But I just, that came up out of my heart that, you know, we can feel sorry for people, but sorry doesn't do anything. Now, compassion does. Jesus was moved with compassion, and then he healed people. And your prayers do something for people. So that was what was in my heart. I wanted people to pray. Monday morning came, and I was still held in that place of peace. Jacob and I were laughing, and, and I wasn't stressed at all. I hadn't cried all weekend. Not that that would have been wrong, I just had no anxiety about it. The only time I started to feel emotional was right before they took me back to surgery, and Dr. Dufresne had called my dad's phone to pray with me. The surgery lasted almost six hours, and the doctor came out and said it was very uneventful. And he said, that's what you want in a brain surgery. The first thing I said to my dad and husband was, I see one of you. And I was so excited about that. And I was speaking perfectly normal. Over the next few days, they got me up and walked me around. And there was no impairment in my walking. One thing I wasn't ready for was how badly swollen my head got. And I hadn't seen myself in the mirror for several days. So when I went into the bathroom, it was quite upsetting, and the reality of what had just happened started to sink in. I didn't know anything about traumatic brain injuries until I had one. I will say that before the surgery and after the surgery were quite different. Once I got home after several days, I felt as if I were in a deep hole, and I didn't know how to get out. After a traumatic brain injury, you feel as if you've lost yourself and all that you had before, And life is completely starting over. I knew that staying in that dark place was not an option. And I had to get better. I've loved worship and singing since I was a little girl. And knew that worship was my way out. I knew that I had to get out of that place. It was a dark place. And some of you that have experienced or even maybe this morning experiencing um, depression, you know what I'm talking about. I couldn't physically sing right then because of what had happened, but I could listen. And I would put on a C.C. Wine as the Throne Room DVD, an Andre Crouch DVD that my dad had given me. There was a lot of pain and tears through this process as God was healing me of this trauma. One night I couldn't sleep and had TBN on, which I normally didn't have on. And one of my favorites, Darlene Check, was on, and she started singing the song in Jesus' name which in that moment literally felt like she had wrote that song for me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. If you hear a song and you feel like, they wrote this for me, they're singing this for me. I have that happen a lot, maybe because I love music. But I felt like in that moment, laying in my bed, that she had wrote it for me and was singing it to me because I was in such a bad place. I was in a lot of depression right then. God told me that night, that I didn't bring you this far to leave you here, not fully restored. I put that song on my CD, the one that I made, because it means so much to me. I went to a checkup about a month after my surgery, and they saw some tumor that they didn't get in the surgery and said that if it was still there after a few months, they would need to do radiation. Dr. Dufresne was coming for a special meeting before that checkup. My dad was going to mention something, but then felt he would just let Dr. B be led by the Spirit. The first night of meetings, as I was coming off the platform, before I got to my seat, Dr. Frain said he wanted to minister to me. He took his finger, and he traced the line of the scar on my head, like this, which he didn't know where it even was, which was from ear to ear, and I fell out. I lay there for quite a while, and later asked my family if there was an usher standing by my head because I felt someone had been by my head. They told me no, and I knew right in that moment that it had been an angel. I went back for my checkup, and there was no sign of tumor at all. And I go back every year and get a scan, and I have no sign of tumor. And the last time I just went, um, my doctor said, well, we can just make it a year and a half now. and I didn't want to leave anything out, and I, you know, I probably even left a little bit out even reading it, but um, that is the miracle that God has done in my life, and, you know, all the, all the what-ifs, none of them happened, completely restored, and God has opened, you know, doors of opportunity for me to share my testimony, to make the CD, Then I called it, I am healed, and Dr. Dufresne said to put my testimony on there. So, countless people, I don't even know, hopefully get to hear that and are touched by God and get to hear that God can do that in their life as well. And I want to share a few scriptures with you for whatever you may be facing in your life. And in 2 Corinthians 2 11, it says, Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Um, we have to understand that there's two plans, that God has a plan for your life, but the enemy also has a plan. And in John 10, 10, in the Passion Translation, it says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the path he has for your life. But the devil has another path. He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy you. He wants to take out the plan that God has for your life. We don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to walk around this life being intimidated. We don't have to be thinking, is it going to happen tomorrow? That's not how we live this life. But we just need to know that there isn't an enemy, and we need to be prepared. Amen. We need to live our life with joy and with peace and in the fullness, but we need to also realize that he is out to destroy the plan of God for our life so that we are in the armor of God and equipped to come against anything that comes against us. Number two, understand that you're an overcomer. In John 16, 33, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Again, I'm loving the passion translation right now. So another passion translation. It says, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, Jesus said, will be in you. And will give you, here's the word again, great confidence as you rest in me. Do you know that you can rest in the middle of a storm? Because if you're made in in the image of God, which you are, Jesus rested in the storm, didn't he? You can rest in the storm. You can rest in him. For in the unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So we know that we live in this world. says we're going to face things. We don't have to be afraid of it. We, we just need to know that there are going to be things that happen in this life that are going to come against us. We're not immune to it. Just because Jesus lives in us doesn't mean we're immune from the things that happen in this life. Amen. But the great news is Jesus said, be courageous. I've already overcome Another translation says, what has overcome you? What's trying to overcome you? I've already overcome it. Philippians 4, 7 in the New King James says, Then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And another word for guard means defender. So when this happened in my life, Jesus was defending my heart and my mind. I couldn't have defended myself in that moment. When you get a bad report at the doctor, when you get a bad report about your child, when you get a bill in the mail that you didn't expect, when you get divorce papers, when you get anything in life you were not expecting, Jesus will defend your heart and your mind. You cannot defend it on your own. You cannot do this life by yourself. You cannot face these trials and pressures that come in this life without Jesus. And make it. And have a sound mind. You cannot do it without him. So I love that that word guard means he's your defender. There's a wonderful new song called Defender. And it says, you go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. Yeah. You've already gone to win my war. I didn't even know that there was a fight coming. And you already went to war for me. Thank you, Jesus. Which leads me into my other scripture isaiah fifty four seventeen no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me and you know I've you know of course grown up in church as I said and and heard this scripture you know most of my life um it's you know there's certain scriptures you hear a lot you know growing up and always loved that verse, and, you know, Jesus spoke to me and said, you know, this is for things that you don't even realize are coming, because I would always think of that scripture as, you know, the weapons that I knew about, that's just the way I thought, the weapons that I, things that I know that are coming at me, things that I'm aware of, but he said, you didn't even know this was in your body. And they had, they had told me that um, for it to be that large, it had been growing for a, a really long time. And so Jesus was already causing that to not prevail against my life, keeping me alive. And I, I've said before, you know, he was my life support because I was walking around just living my life and and not knowing that this was a weapon in my body formed against me to take me out. And Jesus was keeping me alive. He was sustaining my life. And so there's things that are right now that could be in you or coming against you that you are totally in your mind unaware of. And Jesus is sustaining you. He is keeping you alive. His love is so great and big and rich and wide. We can't even comprehend it. We can't even comprehend it. I know that I don't. And I just feel like as I, I'm not that old, but as I just keep getting older that I'm realizing His love more and more and more, the depth of His love for me, how great it is, how rich it is, that He loves me beyond any person on this earth, and His desire is for me to live this life to the fullest, amen, and to enjoy this life, amen. And, um you know, God is such a good God. He loves you so much, and He wants you to, not only be free from any physical ailments that have, that have come against you, but also be free from, you know, like I talked about in my testimony, any mental torments that you have. And it's just, to me, it seems like even in the news and in, in media, there's such an increase of anxiety, depression, and the enemy's just mean. He's just ramped up that mental onslaught to, n- to everybody. To not just the unsaved, but to everyone. Just the pressure in our mind, the oppression, the anxiety, to cause us to to quit. To cause us to not want to press into all that God has for us. Just to put so much pressure on us to not fulfill. And I just had it in my heart to pray for those that not only, you know, have physical um, issues going on in their bodies but you've just been warring in your mind and you know I I went through even more than what I described a lot mentally to recover I will say the mental part was much more of a recovery for me and emotionally than the physical part so I've been there I, I understand how deep that can get and Jesus healed me from that trauma and Jesus wants to set you free today if you've lost someone if you've been through some kind of tragedy in your life if you know the grief is in all different levels and it can come in different ways and um, I just feel like there's a healing balm today for your hearts and your minds and for your bodies that, that God wants to do something on all in all of us today. And, and just to encourage you to know that God is a God of miracles. Amen. 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 And, you know, I'm encouraging myself today. I mean, I'm believing for miracles in my own family as I speak. So I'm just standing up here, encouraging myself in the Lord this morning. I am, (laughs) um, you know, and, um, God is an amazing God. Thank you, Jesus. So how I wanted to do this this morning was, um, praise team, will you come back up with me? And um, I know I didn't talk really long, but I just, I want people to be ministered to. and. Um, Have your liberty. Worship was such a big part of my life, but of... recovery and it's a part of your recovery and it should be a part of your life because it shifts your focus and and I'm sure most of you know this if not all of you if you're having a bad day a rough day if you will put on worship music if if you don't even have that if you will just begin to sing something it shifts your focus from you from the difficulties you're facing, from the pain in your body. It shifts your focus from that to the answer, to Jesus. It automatically just lifts you. It transfers that attention. And that's the power of worship. Amen. So that was a big part of me coming out of that dark place. And that's after today, that's what I want to encourage you to do is to just invade your life with worship every time you have the opportunity to do that it will change your life